This talk is called The Grasper, The Runner and The Ten Chi Master. How to enjoy loneliness, play in boredom and thrive in uncertainty. I understand that things are challenging right now. Different, uncertain. There is no doubt about that. And they will be challenging, different and uncertain again. There is no doubt about that. Things fall apart. Institutions, political regimes, economic systems, our relationships, our health, pandemics. They all break down eventually. They change. I was chatting with my friend about this falling apart in relation to impermanence. The idea that things shift and nothing is permanent and how that could possibly hold the key to still finding joy amongst all the chaos. A chaos that is extra pertinent right now. And we both came to prefer the notion of grasping, that we see the nature of change, how it ebbs and flows, and this allows us to look deeper to see our grasping. Noticing this grasping, this reaching out, a pushing away, a wanting, we see it not as impermanent, but as a way to grow up, to learn, to change with it. And I like that, because I, we, me, (laughs) we grasp for safety, for comfort, for pleasure, and for more. Always for more. And we like to avoid those things that are uncomfortable. Boredom, loneliness, anger, fear. And fear is usually the thing that lies behind each of these. Hiding like an undercover agent. And fear can make our life small, overly self-indulgent, and it turns opportunities and possibilities into problems and roadblocks. It makes bad things failures, full stops. I know in my life I continually chased after the only those things that felt good. And you may be thinking, well, what's wrong with that? Right? That's what you're meant to do. But are we? Are we? When we don't feel good, which is inevitable, maybe now more than ever for so many, we just tend to grasp even more, even tighter. And when we grasp so tight for something, we don't leave much room for anything else. And we tend to struggle even more. I know I've been feeling that way lately, and you know, maybe you have too. We create our own struggles in many ways. Some, some we don't, of course, but in the least we can make them far worse by what we choose to put value on in each moment. If we choose to never feel, to really feel, things like our boredom and loneliness, for instance, and instead grasp at excitement and activity and productivity, we'll never go beyond that. And when when we have time by ourselves, for example, we'll just mistake that quietness for boredom for a negative and uncomfortable thing, missing the chance to create a broader, more mature perspective of quietness, a perspective which actually allows us to grow, and we don't see it and feel it, as an opportunity or at least something positive. Instead, we just let that fear become stronger and we miss even more. In essence, in protecting ourselves so well, we do the opposite. I had my very own well overdue, you could say, encounter with encountering my unpleasant feelings while living for three months in a hut in the forest of a Buddhist monastery in France. Thich Nhat Hanh would say, the trick is not to run away from our suffering. Carl Jung would say, suffering comes from our failure to understand and feel the unseen and unheard parts of our psyches. You may call it a grasping, a failure to really feel 
and to never feel deep enough to befriend these unseen and unheard parts, to make them seen, heard, and felt. And the last one is important, felt. I never felt things deep enough, never long enough. Do you? What's there on the other side of boredom or restlessness for you? I was a runner, 28 years old at the time of landing in the hut, and I never really met boredom, or loneliness for that matter. I became an expert escape artist, addicted to covering up anything slightly uneasy in something else. Most notably for me, girls, parties, drinking, sex. And there, there are no shortage of covers in 2020. Throwing social media, dating apps, TikTok. And we have a cover for everything. I thought that life was about always feeling good. But is it? Is it really? Is life about always being happy? I've come to think that it is more about having a full life, being fully alive. As O'Donoghue says, John O'Donoghue, sitting on your deathbed and saying you didn't sit on the fence and you sucked the marrow out of life. I like that. And with that, that full vibrant life, it is inevitable that things will fall apart. Well, they're going to fall apart anyway, even if you stick to the safe path and never try anything new. People we love are going to die. We are going to get sick. We are going to lose our jobs. Pandemics are going to change how we do things. But we don't grow if we just run, if we fail to feel. Well, we still grow, but we may grow the wrong things, things that make our lives more difficult in the long run. This inevitable falling apart of things doesn't mean being passive, and it doesn't mean an, you know, an ah, well, things are bad, who cares kind of mindset. But what it could mean, or what, what it means for me, is a softening of the heart, a softening of our preconceived ideas about ourselves and others. By softening, I just mean not being so hard and tough and rigid. We just find room for an awareness of the things that we are consistently grasping for in the first place. Like, what are you grasping for right now? What did you grasp for today? This week? What keeps popping up for you? We need to bring an awareness to our negative and positive stories. And yes, that includes our positive. Aware of our biases and all of our narratives about how things should be about what is right, wrong, safe, or normal. It means being brave and vulnerable enough to go deep enough to feel and let go of a continual grasping for things to be good or pleasant. Long enough to grow, to not sit on the fence and to really suck the marrow out of life, even the unpleasant. And there's something really beautiful about someone who can do that. This going deeper is imperative if we are to actually go far enough for a for a redirection or a reset. And it is this redirection and reset that becomes fatal. And I say fatal deliberately. Bernie Segal in Love, Medicine and Miracles proves that shifting the idea from a failure to a redirection is a shift needed for exceptional patients to survive and flourish. No wanting to change things, no wanting only to feel good, no failure, no full stop, not finished, not super negative. Not letting fear creep back in from behind the curtain and make us small and insignificant and overly self-indulgent. It is a redirection I've had many times. 
but it took sitting through discomfort to transform it from a failure to a redirection. What's going on in your life that may benefit from a rebrand? A rebrand from a failure to a redirection. That's a cool little exercise. What is it for you? I was lucky my first reset was a forced redirection in many ways, in the hut in the forest. I couldn't run away any longer. I didn't have a phone, a TV, no Wi-Fi, no pubs, no friends. If I was able to run past that discomfort, I would have merely grasped onto entertainment and distractions. The more I got comfortable being uncomfortable, moving to New York City from Sydney, again to San Francisco, struggling to find work, friends, community, the more I was open to redirections, the more I started to flow with roadblocks, with life and struggles and suffering. I became more flexible and more open. Things that probably would have destroyed me, previous failures, now more like just the byproducts of a full life, of not sitting on the fence. And that's a powerful shift. It is this, the flowing with the falling apart of things, this inevitability and my own softening and vulnerability that allowed me to grow up and continue to grow up. I don't think that should ever end. In the last eight to 10 months, I've experienced the fullness of life. There's been the death of a loved one, a breakup, then leaving San Francisco after three years, back to Australia, to first bushfires and the great floods, then coronavirus, throwing a business failure, talks canceled, my publisher pushing my book, new book back to next year, Single, back home again, with just a bag and a surfboard. No partner, no house, a failure. Or a chance for a redirection, for self-compassion, for vulnerability, and to just feel how I feel. Another chance to experience new things, new adventures, opportunities, or being open to them and not closed off. A chance for a newfound playfulness, to bring presence and aliveness to the uncomfortable and the unpleasant. This has been huge for me over the last six to eight weeks amongst so many moving parts. I forgot how to play. We tend to forget how to create healthy joy. Kids don't, but we get old and do. When was the last time you played? With no intention or goal. I've been looking at that in my life. Even my love for, for stand-up paddleboarding has become somewhat blurred by having an agenda for it to exercise or stay looking fit, never just for it and it only. When we play, we shift from rigid thinking, one-dimensional thought patterns. We open ourselves up to surprise, possibility and unpredictability. And we stop the habit of waiting for things to be normal or pleasant. Or this idea of achieving something or always having to be productive. When was the last time you enjoyed yourself? The last time you played with no agenda, just played. Can we create joy from nothingness with no reason? Can we find ways to build play into our lives every single day? The best example of this playfulness comes from my great friend Lou. Now Lou is 83. I met him on the tennis court behind my old apartment in the Mission in San Francisco. He was serving by himself and and serving pretty good, I might add. And I walked over and said I'd, I'd have a hit with him if he liked. Over the ensuing three years, we played tennis together three to four times a week. We drank coffee and tea, went to the farmer's market, shared books, everything from 
Sapiens to Enlightenment Now to How to Change Your Mind. And um, Lou taught me how to grow old well, how important interests are, engagement, lifelong learning, positive relationships, and two things I probably never, never gave much thought to, creativity and playfulness. Over the pandemic, while some have complained of boredom and loneliness and, and many other things, Lou didn't complain the courts were closed. Instead, he got creative and playful. He started playing Tenchi. He, may, he maybe even created it. He brought the court to his driveway, combining the practice of his tennis strokes with the soft movements of Tai Chi. With the physical health taken care of, he moves inside to continue learning Mac, to cut up his old film footage, footage to create his new documentary. This guy's 83. He's cultivated his invisible worlds through a creativity, playfulness, and an interest in the fullness of life. He didn't stop learning when he left school or got a job. And now his life is multi-dimensional, full, vibrant. One thing stops, he picks up the other thing. And that's pretty cool. And something we can all learn from. And it's a life that's not always pretty. He knows that. He's seen many changes in his 83 years. Death, war, divorce. But he controls and influences what he can. That is why he continues to thrive at 83. Physically and mentally. He's not waiting. Waiting for what? Things change and evolve. You wait too long and the thing you're waiting for changes anyway. Why do we have to have a constant craving for things to be perfect? Because as we've all probably seen, things that were once bad become good and what was good could very well be bad. But wouldn't it be nice to skip the part where we beat ourselves up over it? Turns out, for no reason anyway. Creativity and playfulness are huge elements of our happiness and well-being. How can we be creative and playful every day? How can we be more creative and playful in turning negative stories, mindsets, narratives, attitudes, circumstances, and shift them to open ourselves up to possibilities? Possibilities that many others can't even see. It is an important antidote for fear and boredom and anger and loneliness. But first we need to sit with it, feel it, examine it deeply. To attempt without at least some examining or feeling would be fraught with danger. So returning from San Francisco, single, with no things, could have been terrible if I got caught in this idea that some sort of failure happened in the first place. Things go wrong. We are human. Why do we need to label anything as a failure or success? It really depends on your story. The one you tell yourself or the one you let society tell you. Because wedged in between all of this were things like Lou and love and an incredible relationship. Getting to collect wonderful experiences, living in a cool city. What happens to you if you soften around your story? Are the bad things all bad? And I'm not saying don't be upset about anything or, or be passive. Be upset about it. Feel it, of course. Sit with it. Just don't run away from it and let it bring you down so much you miss everything else. And then miss the opportunities to put your new skills and lessons to practice. We are created by our choices. We are not victims, but creators. In this moment, we always have choice. We are all conditioned by our ideas to think this is good and this bad. The trick is knowing what will actually make us happier, freer, and more peaceful. 
what will relieve our difficulties, not only our own, but our friends and families. Behind our thoughts, we need to see the grasping, the craving, greed, fear, anger, anxiety, boredom, loneliness, and be brave enough and creative and playful enough to take care of it. How can we be creative today to find this joy, peace, fullness, and aliveness? To stop playing the waiting game and just start playing in whatever comes. I think there is a real beauty in that, a real intelligence and a real power. So let's put this into practice. If you are sitting or laying down, if you're walking right now, just come back to feeling the body. Too often we sit and try to outthink our problems. This is difficult. Step outside the noise and clutter for a moment. Reconnect with your bodies. Bring your attention there. Stop trying to get to the next place or tick off your next task. For a couple of minutes at least, breathe. Feel. Don't miss an important chance to refresh, refocus, and regather your thoughts and feelings. This allows us to tackle our future problems and opportunities with a renewed spirit, zest, and clarity. So if you like, stopping is your chance to actually be productive. Use feeling your body as an anchor or a vehicle to be more alive, more curious, more clear, more engaged. Feel. What are you grasping for? Are you bored, restless? Thinking of what needs to be done next? What does that feel like? Sit with it. If you are walking, arrive with every step. Use the feeling of your body to stop. Not the body moving, but your story that is further down the road. In the stopping, we cultivate wonder. Not that we will get more, but a wonder that we already have enough. I'm Evan Sutter. You can find out more at evansutter.com.
Enjoy.